Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're thankful for your presence that we feel already in this house. Hallelujah. We are grateful to be here, Jesus. To grateful to be a part of what you're doing in Carson City and beyond, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to see everybody's smiling face here this afternoon. Amen. I want to say, uh, and I might say more about this in the, uh, in the worship service and everything. I want to say a great thank you to everybody that came out to help us with church cleaning. Hallelujah. If you wonder why that dumpster's full out there, it's uh, probably not the barbershop. Hallelujah. But uh, thank you to all those that helped. And uh, thank you, Brother Worley, for, for doing some maintenance. And Brother Reyes for coordinating. And, and so many others. I don't want to say names. I just got in trouble right there. But thank you to all those that came out and helped. It really made a difference. We now have a lot more space uh, to put uh, our pulpit. And it doesn't have to sit in the hallway. And, and we've got space to store our baptismal robes and all these other good things. And uh, there's a lot more exciting stuff that's going to be happening. I'll be doing a little bit of a remodel on some things and, and more information about that in the future. Um, but today, uh, it's my great pleasure um, to bring Elder Johnson. I want to introduce him to this church. Uh, he's joining our teaching staff. Uh, and as you'll see in the coming future, there'll be a lot more people doing a lot of teaching and, and different things uh, here in the church. And, uh, and he served and, and uh, sat under... One of the Prince of Teachers and Preachers, Brother Paul Price, Elder Paul Price, for many, many years. And uh, I want you to come and teach, and he'll be teaching a lot more frequently. But the first time, I want to make an introduction. So we love you. Take your liberty. God bless. Praise the Lord, everyone. say something today that will inspire you and in your living for God and uh, to help you in this journey that we're on. And um, I always relax a little bit if I have a little little help and I asked Sister Bobo to help me with this song because uh, when Jesus was going to the greatest trial of his life, when he left the Last Supper, the scripture records that he sang a hymn. We don't know what he sang. I doubt if it was Amazing Grace. But um, he sang a hymn, and then he went to the garden. He prayed. And so we're going to sing a hymn this morning. If you'll join me in this old song. <clears throat> to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. Us. On earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory. I only ask to be like 
to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory I only ask to be like him if that's your desire can you worship him Lord Jesus we love you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy, O oh God. We love you, God. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Do you want to be like him? Amen. Praise God. Turning to the scripture, beginning in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What are we walking in? Good works. Good works. You can be seated. Thank you for your attention this morning. When um, Brother Hood mentioned that he would ask me to teach, I, I began to think, uh, man, what do I say? I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just a kid from the Uni Richmond Unified School District. And uh, if you know anything about the East Bay, you would say about now, can anything good come out of Richmond? So, if, if anything good comes out of this lesson today, give glory to God. And if it's not so good, <laughs> blame it on the Richmond Unified School District. And so, uh, I began to think, well, what can I, what can I teach? You know, what, what is it that, that uh, I could say that would help somebody in their living for God? And uh, so, I, I began to think, you know, we, we preach a lot, we teach a lot about receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptism in Jesus' name, and those are essential part of uh, salvation. They are key scriptures to our existence as, as Pentecostals. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, something we don't teach much about is repentance. We, we need a good dose of repentance. And that just means changes the way we think about God, go in a different direction. And so I started studying in that vein, and Brother Reyes steps up to the plate and hits a home run about three weeks ago about repentance. So I'm, I'm back to the dugout. You know, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? And um, <clears throat> so I began to do some studying, and I and, uh, felt like that God would have us talk about grace today, the grace of God. And I travel really lightly here on this subject because I know our denominal world has abused the grace of God. 
and they would like to tell you that uh, there's a thing called eternal security and that once you're saved by the grace of God you're always saved and there's nothing you can do that would um, change that outcome but uh, I would be here to tell you today that God is a holy God and he wants his people to be holy and he tells us that uh, we should live holy lives and so that tells me we can't live any way that we want to. We can't do the things that our flesh would like to do. But the Apostle Paul says that we have to deny our flesh and to uh, walk after the Spirit. So I, um, I'm careful about what I say about the grace of God. Let's turn, first of all, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19 and 20. I think uh, this may have been mentioned last week as well. 6 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You don't belong to yourself, you now belong to Christ. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to God. And so there is an expectation that we will live a certain way and that we will do things that please him. In, uh, also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, Apostle Paul's talking here. And when, what he mentions at the end of the verse is that um, I die daily. I die daily. He has to crucify or kill the deeds of the flesh. Because when we walk after the flesh, our flesh will take us down roads we don't intend to go down. And, um, and that's how sin is. Sin will take you to a place that you never intend on going. And uh, when you get there, you'll look back and say, how did that happen? How did that happen? And there's some factors that come in um, into that. And then lastly, um, when we're talking about these scriptures, uh, particularly in Paul's writings, if we look at Romans, one of my favorite scriptures here in verse number one of chapter 12, Paul writing to the church in Rome. <clears throat> says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. The expectation is not too high to present your body a living sacrifice. And, um, and so... That, that just lets me know that God expects me to deny the fleshly desires that I was born with and begin to put on his nature and begin to act like him, to be like Jesus. And uh, certainly, we as Christians should be simply a mere reflection of who he is. That when somebody looks at us, they are... The reflection that they see is Jesus Christ, right? They shouldn't see us and all 
how charismatic we are or how popular we are or, you know you what kind of skill you have or or how great you are or how long you've been married or not you thanks so much me I was thinking of um, you know and or any great thing that you may have done in your life they should simply see Jesus Christ working in you who is what? The hope of glory, right? And so uh, we, we endeavor to live our lives like that um, because he deserves our very best. He deserves our very best. We live uh, in a culture today in America <clears throat> where there's a sense of entitlement. People um, um, want things without any strings attached, you know, uh, a lot of times in politics, we will we will elect somebody that uh, we like the programs they stand for. Um, we want to do it with the least amount of taxes possible, but we want all the string benefits, don't we? And uh, what kind of program can we get out of it without much commitment? And we find that uh, our society also kind of lives by that same mantra because they will get in and out of relationships without any strings attached. There's no commitment. There's no loyalty. We find that uh, in our uh, employment, uh, where I formerly worked. I did a lot of hiring over the years. And what I found out that was, you know, it may have been a good-paying job, but when something better come along, they were gone. And all the time I had invested in training and all the money I spent on trying to get them uh, to act a certain way, now I'm starting over with somebody else. There's just not a lot of loyalty anymore in the world that we live in. And um, we have to be careful sometimes that uh, as Christians, we don't uh, allow that to creep into our personal commitment with Jesus Christ, our living for God. Um, you know, if you've lived for God any length of time, you may, you may start to feel like, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy, Mark. I, uh, I, I, I don't do the things I used to do. I don't go the places I used to go. I don't talk like I used to do. Maybe I do deserve a little bit of God's blessings. Maybe I do deserve the grace of God because, after all, I'm, I'm a good person. Uh, but can I tell you that because of the grace of God that we receive, it's not because of our works, at least we should boast, the Bible tells us, um, but that it is given to us as the free gift. And, um, and so we have to be careful about that in, in living for God, you know, particularly as we mature in Christ and, uh, and we live these lives above sin, that we don't begin to get the attitude that we really deserve something special because we're, we're so good. Amen. So when, as believers... When we think about the grace, oftentimes we think about a period of time or a dispensation, oftentimes referred to as the grace dispensation in which we live now. The grace dispensation is where, which was open to us on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached that first message and told them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive this gift of the Holy Ghost that they had just received. That opened the door to this grace that God had given us. And um, 
somewhere in in your walk through life you came upon this same message and you decided that hey I want that I want that in my life and you made a choice that you were going to serve God and you and you applied the blood of Jesus Christ to your life through baptism the Bible talks about and um, and so we get are born into this this relationship with Jesus Christ this grace this nature it's the very nature and character of who God is God loves us and um, he wants the very best for his uh, creation humanity and uh, he provides for us what we need and we'll, we're going to talk about that here in this lesson when we look at uh, just the definition of grace if we go first to, to Merriam-Webster's dictionary the theological definition is the unmerited divine assistance given humans for their regeneration or sanctification and we simply say that it's the unmerited favor of God it's what we get that we don't deserve right it's unmerited and um, so if it weren't for God's grace where would we be where would we be um, there's there's just so many factors that come into our living for God that that uh, we begin to to immerse ourselves in the study of His Word and and to the listening to the preaching of the Word and the teaching of the Word, so that we can get to know Him, because knowing God is what it's all about. And then when we get to know Him, we can make Him known to others. And that's our great commission has told us that uh, we are to go into all the world, preaching this gospel. So before we can be born or grow in grace, we have to first be born. And we're talking about the new birth experience that we just mentioned. And, and uh, we begin to talk about how that um, it all started back, uh, and Brother Hood alluded to some of this last week in his lesson last week about the gospel, in the beginning, in creation. Now, I've been doing some studying recently about Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, um, the, the Second Temple, the Third Temple that's yet to be built, and uh, the Dome of the Rock that's there now, and, and what, what all that means. And there's an organization in Jerusalem, it's called the uh, Temple Institute, and uh, they are getting the rabbis ready for the, new, the next temple. They're already uh, creating the vessels that are going to go into the, the uh, next temple, and uh, they believe that they, within the first day, they will be able, that they have access, they will be able to set up an altar and begin to offer up uh, sacrifice as they did in the Old Testament. The rabbis that are currently in training already have their robes like Aaron had with the breastplate. All of this is going through process and uh, I saw an interview where one of the rabbis uh, says, I have, I have the robe in my closet and uh, he was an older man he said and if it's not going to be me then it would be my son and they're descendants of Aaron's uh, the Levites and so there's a real important um, emphasis on um, the Dome of the Rock right now because of where it's built um, of course we know that the Jews go to the western wailing wall it's called which is really just a retaining wall that held up the plaza where it's believed that the temple once stood 
And um, they're wanting to build the third temple on top of this place where the Dome of the Rock is. What's underneath the Dome of the Rock? Well, it's a rock. And the importance of the rock is uh, it's believed that uh, this is where Abraham offered up Isaac as a, to a sacrifice, and God provided the ram in the thicket. And uh, it's also believed that this is the place where David set up the tabernacle that had been out in, the land, uh, in Goshen. Um, and it, Moses had, and Joshua had brought it to the um, promised land. And it had set, uh, and David wanted it brought to Jerusalem. And this is where he set it up. And then ultimately, of course, Solomon uh, builds the temple here. On this side, after David had made himself poor, gathering the materials for Solomon to build the temple. Well, the significance of the rock is also important to the Muslims because they believe Muhammad, as he stepped off his horse on this rock, that God took him and he sent it up into heaven from this same spot. So you can see where there's some contention over, over who's going to control the rock. Um, but this Temple Institute is also teaching that if you go back to the very beginning, that this rock is also where God created Adam. I'd never heard this before until recently doing this study, and they believe that this is the very navel of where uh, human society began. Now, I'm not here as an expert telling you what is or isn't. All I'm telling you is there's people that uh, have a lot of interest in this site about 35 acres they consider the most holy place on the face of the earth and so when we talk about going back uh, we're talking about going back to the very beginning where Adam and Eve were created and walked in the garden and had a relationship with almighty God the Bible tells us that the, he would come down in the cool of the evening and walk and talk with them and here we are in our struggle, wishing we had some kind of relationship with God. And it's not there because of sin that came in. And uh, it's very difficult for us to have uh, the relationship that Abraham, I'm sorry, not Abraham, but uh, Adam and Eve had, where he walked physically with them in the cool of the evening. And um, when we look at this, this, um, creation process we look in of course in uh, Genesis chapter 1 there's several verses verse 10, 12, 18, 21 25 all of which when God creates he says it is good it is good and then we get down to uh, verse 27 verse 27 so God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them and then drop down to verse 31, and what does he say about this creation? He said, it's very good. It's very good. And uh, when Adam saw Eve, he said, whoa, man. <laughs> Boy, that's very good. Right? Right? And um, so they had this relationship with God that, that we long for, that we strive for. And um, God had a heavenly host that in heaven that created beings that worship him and do his bidding. 
but he wanted a creation that would serve him, love him, by choice, by choice. And uh, we, we uh, Americans, we love, we love choices, don't we? <laughs> I was walking down the cereal aisle at Walmart the other day. It's eight foot tall. It's, I don't know, 75, 80 feet long. It's a wall of cereal. And it's choices. Boy, you can choose any kind of cereal you want. They, they, they have it. Or have you been down to Auto Row over here on 395 when you come into town? There's a lot of choices about what kind of car you're going to drive today, isn't there? Or just go on to the Chevy lot and look how many different models of Chevys there are. And, um, and then once you decide about the model you like, what color do you want? And then what kind of equipment do you want? That's how we are. We like choices. We, we want it our way. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with driving a car that you like, if you can afford it. And um, so that's what God wanted. He wanted a creation that would serve him because they chose to do so. And when we understand the love of God, the grace of God, and we choose to live for him over all the other options that there are in our world today, I think he's pleased with that, right? When we begin to deny ourselves and say, no, I don't do that because on Sunday, I go to church on, during that time. And um, so that's my commitment. I'm not going to be going to that place or doing that particular thing. And it, it could, could be something as harmless as going fishing, for instance. I know some of you like to fish. Um, but there's a commitment that needs to be made that says, no, at 1.15 or in the future here, 1.30, we're going to be in church on Sunday because that's God's plan. And the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the last days as the manner of some is. And it's easy to lay out a church and find a reason not to be here. Uh, but we know that the preaching of the word is for the perfecting of the saints and that we need to hear it. We need to hear it. I don't care if you're like me, you grew up in church, you were raised uh, on, or we didn't have pews, we had theater seats, and um, so when everybody stood up, the, you know, the, all the seats flapped, and whap, 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 through the, through the whole church, um, that later on, we got pews, we finally got there, it took us time, um, but I grew up in church, I didn't know anything else, uh, but there came a time in my life when I had to make a decision for myself, that, uh, no, this isn't mom and dad's religion. This is something that I need to do for myself. And so in uh, 1963, at nine years old, I was baptized in Jesus' name. And um, so thankful for that day. I remember going home that night uh, in the back seat of the car. I always rode behind my dad. And um, remembering that even in the dark, it seemed like the hills were greener and the life was better and the the weight of sin, whatever a nine-year-old boy's sin could have been, um, felt so much lighter. And then um, I became a chronic seeker <laughs> until February 5th, 1967. Brother Royce Elms was preaching a revival in a little church that I grew up in. And I received the gift of the Holy Ghost in just a few days before I turned 13 years old. And uh, I'm not sorry for that commitment I made. And 
Was I perfect? Absolutely not. I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, there's some things in life I wish I could go back and change. There's been people I've had to go back to and say, you know, I'm sorry I treated you that way. Years later, years later, because I felt like uh, there were some things I needed to make right. And, um, and so it doesn't matter if you grew up in church or not. At some point, you had to make a decision and choose whether you were going to serve God or not. And uh, that's all God's asking for is you to make a choice to make him the center of your life. And uh, if you will do that, he will be better to you than you can be to yourself. Amen. <clears throat> so here we have Adam and Eve in the garden, and we don't know exactly how long they were in the garden, but there came a day where she's talking to the animals. You heard the song, right? Talk to the animals. She's talking to the serpent, and apparently it wasn't strange or weird in any way it didn't seem to be according to the scripture said that the um, serpent was subtle he was sly right and what's he do he, he, he begins to plant a seed of doubt in our mind he begins to ask her questions did God say did God say and isn't that how Satan works in your life today he begins to place doubt in your mind whether you have a real relationship with him. How long after you received the gift of the Holy Ghost was it before he came to you and said, did you really speak in tongues? Right? Did, did you just make that up? Am, am I telling the truth? Right. Because he is the master of deception. And if he can put doubt in your mind about your relationship with God, then you begin to question other things. Is God's word true? Does it mean everything? Well, is it everything in there really for us? And, um, and we begin to wonder whether our relationship with God is, is, is real. Can I tell you from experience that if you crack the door a little bit and let sin come in, you will, you will reap the repercussions of that, maybe into the generation that follows you if you're not careful. And um, like I said earlier, sin will take you farther than you ever intended on going. So let's move on. We find sin enters the world through Adam and Eve. And so Brother Hood spoke about this last week, so I would just touch it for the purpose of the lesson in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 um, we'll just move through this piece wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sin and dropping down to verse 19 for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners Adam so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That's Jesus, obviously. Brother Hood brought this out last week in talking about the gospel. And uh, so when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, it did not take God by surprise. He didn't hit himself in the forehead and say, what did I do and what do I do now? It was always his plan for the incarnation. 
for him, God, to robe himself in flesh and become the supreme lamb slain for the foundation of the world, Peter talks about. It's also in uh, one of John's writings that he was the lamb slain for the foundation of the world. From the very beginning, it was already part of the plan. And so he was not surprised at the fall of man, but he had a plan for him to come and to make um, atonement for us. The purpose of the incarnation was that the Son of God, God in human flesh, might provide the sacrifice for the sins of human beings, a holy and righteous work they could never achieve on their own and would never deserve on their own merits. You can't get good enough. You can't do enough works. You couldn't have come yesterday and cleaned this entire church by yourself and today come and be worthy of a touch from God. You can't live a life and say, because I don't do these things, I deserve what God has for me. We have it because of his unmerited favor, his grace. And uh, I am so thankful for that. So we're in a kind of a catch-22. We're in a dilemma where we could do nothing about our sin problem. We were born with it. We don't have to teach children how to lie or how to steal. They do those things on their own unless we train them not to. Is that right? Or to be selfish, just see them in a nursery acting with other kids, you know. They decide what's mine and who's going to control it. And the biggest person wins generally. Um, so we were, we were caught in this, this dilemma here. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. All sounds like all, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't leave much room for anybody else. Uh, so we were caught in the sin problem, but God had a plan. We, we read the story of the birth of Christ, and before he was born, Joseph's a little concerned because he finds out that Mary's with child, and he's trying to figure out what to do. He loves Mary right? And uh, he, uh, scripture says he was thinking about putting her away privately until she had the child. And, uh, and it's during this process that he's going through in his mind that an angel appears to, at, to him and says, Joseph, don't worry about it. This thing that uh, this Mary's conceived is of the Holy Ghost. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save people from their sins. The name of Jesus is so important. We're caught in this, this sin dilemma, but because of the name of Jesus and the price that Jesus was willing to pay for our salvation, we can have freedom to live for him. And we're not stuck in the quagmire of sin that we can't help ourselves out of. Remember the, the old odor movies? Uh, there was uh, always some quicksand somewhere. Somebody was stuck in it. And somebody would ride by with a horse and blast through their arm just before they go under and drag them out because they couldn't get out on their own. Well, that's kind of how we were in sin. We, we couldn't help ourselves out. 
We could do nothing in ourselves to save ourselves. We needed the grace of God. We needed the propitiation that Jesus became that we might have as a, a um, life to live above sin. So we're working in this realm of grace and living in grace when we, we are born again of the water and of the spirit. And um, we, we are striving to get back to that relationship, relationship that, that God had with Adam and Eve in the garden. And uh, I don't know how it is at your house, but at my house, that's 6 o'clock in the morning. It's time to get up, time to pray, time to speak, spend some time in the Word. It's time to be alone with God and begin to find out what it is you want me to do today. And uh, I want that relationship. I desire that relationship with God. And so I make special time for that. Um, and, and we find that the people that were very successful in the word of God were people like Abraham, who had a relationship with God. Right? He was called out, and he began to walk looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He had a promise from God that every place you go, I'm going to give that uh, piece of land to your descendants. And um, he just walked with God. And he had such a relationship with God that whenever God decided that he was going to take uh, judgment on sin, he consulted with Abraham. He said, I'm going to go down, I'm going to destroy this city. And uh, Abraham's like, well, wait a minute, what if we could find 50 righteous there? And he begins to negotiate with God for the salvation of a city. And, and wouldn't you like to have that kind of relationship that God would talk to you before he would take action on maybe a family member? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do such and such. God, please, have mercy. Have mercy. And uh, I would like to have that testimony that, I, that Abraham had. As he walked with God. He had a relationship with him. And because he was faithful, it was counted to him as righteousness, right? We see him in the heroes of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. So a relationship is what we are striving for now. We've been born of the water and the spirit through the grace of God. And now we need to learn how to grow in grace. The Bible says when we're born, we're, we're as if we're babies, infants, right? And we're still sucking on the bottle. But at some point, we have to start eating meat. And we have to take uh, the meat of the word and begin to ingest it and to learn how to come in and go out and to take off and to put on and how to walk with him. And, um, and so it is. We need to have a relationship with him and we need to be faithful in our daily living. So, let's look at Romans 5, 2, please. <clears throat> by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. By faith into his grace. By faith, what we believe in. Right? Ephesians 3. 11 and 12, according to the eternal purpose 
which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence by the faith of him. So we, our faith empowers us to believe in God's grace. It opens up the way for a relationship with God. And we can only get that through the new birth experience. And as Brother uh, Deathridge sang a song the other night, was um, this is that, spoken by the prophet Joel, right? We love that message, this is that, um, the Holy Ghost being poured out. And so as we come into this relationship and we, we grow in him, we begin to desire, the Bible says, the sincere milk of the word. We could grow by it. We have revelation, first of all, that this is the plan of salvation. This is, isn't open to everybody's interpretation, right? It, it is the grace of God that we have this revelation that there is a plan to receive him through repentance, baptism in his name, and the receiving and filling of the Holy Spirit. And without it, we cannot have a true relationship with him. And in growing in this relationship, we find that God is holy. And turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. This lets me know that you cannot live any way that you want to. That he is a holy God, and he wants us to be a holy people. Isaiah chapter 6, starting uh, at verse 1, first of all, In the year that King Uzziah died, I, also, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Go down to verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. When you get into the presence of God, you realize you need him. You realize that we come up short. You realize in our humanity that we could never obtain this grace that he's given us so freely that we that we do not deserve. And so in that attitude that he is holy, we begin to put off the works and the deeds of the flesh and begin on put on works of righteousness. Good works we read about in the very beginning of this lesson. And so I see the runway approaching. I've got the landing gear down. The flaps are starting to turn. So we should live godly in this present world. Let's look at Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. 
For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, saying no to the world. Remember Nancy Reagan had a, had a mantra, right? Say no, say no. Well, we're saying no to the world. We're saying no to the world. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And if you drop down to verse 14, it talks about us having good works, zealous of good works. Can I say that if you're employed today, you should be the best employee on Bible tells us that we should work as if he is our paymaster. He's writing our paycheck. And so um, with that in mind, we ought to put our best efforts forward when we're, we're in our job. Good works. We want them to see Jesus in us, don't, don't you? And so we are new creatures, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, and our focus changes. What we now say is important in our lives wasn't important before we came to him. We were outside. We weren't even aware that there was this, this life that we could have with him, this relationship that we can have with him. But we're striving to get there now. Amen. 1 Peter 2 and 2. Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow, grow thereby. Now be careful about drinking too much milk. You could get fat. Look a lot like me. Um, but we need to grow. We need to grow. If you've been in church 10 years and you're still sucking on a bottle, you need to grow. You need to grow. Maybe, maybe start with some ground hamburger or something. Or ground turkey if you don't like beef, whatever. Uh, but we need to grow. We need to walk in the spirit according to Galatians chapter 5. And if we walk in the flesh, not, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, we will fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. So let's wrap up with these two verses here. 1 Peter 5 and 10. 1 Peter 5 and 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into the eternal glory of Christ, Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. He'll make you perfect through grace. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. You want to be perfect in Jesus Christ? You want to be the perfect representation of who he is in this earth today? And lastly, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That's not something that uh, happens on the day that you received the Holy Ghost. It becomes a lifelong pursuit. You begin to live your life every day that you might please him and begin to let his grace be applied in your life. And if you'll walk according to the word of God and the teaching and preaching of the word, you can be a successful Christian. You can show our world, Lord, how to serve him and how to live for him and become a witness that he wants you to be. Are you thankful for the grace of God? Amen. Let's give the Lord some thanks right now. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for your grace. 
Lord, we understand, Lord, that we don't deserve anything that you've given us, and we have it because you're merciful. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this lesson today. Let it find its intended target. Let your word speak for itself. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Lord bless you. We're going to take a break. We will come back for our morning worship, or this afternoon worship at 2.30. Lord bless you.